Welcome to Double Vision, a reality recap podcast with Jules and Keens. Let's get into it. Hi, Keens. Hi, Jules. I'm so excited to be back talking with you about Summer House, Martha's Vineyard. Oh, same. So let's start off with what happened last time. So we had kind of an explosive episode in which Phil and Mariah both got kicked out of the house under different circumstances. Right. Um, to ease the, hint, the tension, the house guests uh, have an adult field day where there was lots of cute little games and lots of flirting between Amir and Jordan. Then um, we get a little bit more into some of their past relationships. Apparently, Shanice was a bit of a crazy ex-girlfriend. Right. But more interestingly, apparently Nick has a girlfriend. Yeah, and now I believe we come back to the house as everyone's reeling from this news. Exactly. So in episode four, titled New Roomies, New Beef, um, Nick, we pick up right after Nick just disclosed to the house guests that he does, in fact, have a girlfriend. Yeah, and everyone's kind of dumbstruck because if you recall, he's been in Shanice's Jordan's and Bria's DMs saying flirty things to them particularly Shanice he asked her to marry him right which he denies but we'll get into that um so at the top of the episode I think one of my favorite reactions was Bria saying damn Gina (laughs) (laughs) and then in confessional Nick says his girlfriend whose name is Tasia that she just wants to be a private person and they don't like go public together on Instagram that's not their thing and he has to respect that so apparently this is all on Tasia that he, she's been treated like a secret girlfriend. Right. Worst of all, in my opinion, is this isn't a new relationship because Nick also discloses that they've been together for a year and a half. Yeah. What? <laughs> I don't. Nick, I, I... Nick, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Was it just me or did you also notice how many times he used the phrase like very beautiful woman to describe his girlfriend? Yeah. Like we get it. Everyone around you, though, like you live in a world of beauty, of beauty. Obviously, you're on Summer House Martha's Vineyard. So how do you even distinguish? Right. Oh, my gosh. So the end of the night comes and we literally see all of a sudden now Nick is texting his girlfriend in bed you know Mm -hmm. sweet nothings that you would expect from a very focused and committed boyfriend which is odd because I just wonder if he's been in touch with her and that like production hasn't shown it so far it's very confusing I suspect honestly now that you've mentioned that I think that makes more sense than him all of a sudden deciding to be text forward with his girlfriend I bet you're right that he's been texting her this entire time but we just haven't heard about it wait wasn't there a point in time in one of the earlier episodes where they production made a reference to him texting a quote mystery woman or am I making that up um I don't remember a mystery woman reference but you could totally be right I just feel like there was sort of things about he's not living honestly or he has secrets or like the things that were dropped here and there are mostly by Alex yeah you're right you're right Okay, so the next day, uh, 
everybody wakes up and we find out that um, Alex and Silas want to work out. Yeah, and they want all the guys to work out, and then all the girls are going to go for a mimosa walk, except Shanice has to go home because she can only stay for the weekends. Preston is very bummed that he's being forced to work out with the guys. And I don't, if I were the, if I were a lady on this mimosa walk, I would just be like, Preston, come with us and have a mimosa walk. Like you don't have to work out. Right. But he seems to be compelled somehow to go and like sit on the lawn and do incredibly difficult exercises with these guys. Oh my gosh. I agree. I think the mimosa walk sounds and looks like a much better time. Um, It was super cute, but. Should we talk about how Silas basically came for Preston for no reason? Yeah, he like starts getting on Preston. Like Preston's not doing the workouts all the way or he's not going as fast. And Silas is like, oh, well, we got to hold each other accountable. That's what we're doing here. We're holding each other accountable. And Preston says what I've wanted to say to every single fitness instructor I've ever had you're saying this based on what you can do and not what I can do. Right. I loved that Preston really wasn't taking any of Silas's shit. Like he put him in his place immediately. And I think that that was necessary. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to sidebar on this a little bit. I actually have had great fitness instructors before who have been like, Oh, your body's more shaped this way. So it's going to be easier for you to do this in that posture. And like, There are totally ways to do exercises based on the way that you're built that will just make it easier and healthier for you. But so many fitness instructors are obsessed with the idea that it's like, oh, you got to like bring the pain and like do this and do that and like just push yourself harder. And like in some cases that might be beneficial, but usually like a random fitness instructor is not going to be the right person to tell you like when that's the case. And I just feel like people like y'all need to put your egos down and let people work out at their own pace. We're working out. We're here. We're exercising. And that's just that's my PSA. No, I agree completely. I think the funniest thing about this for me is I didn't even see myself in the Preston situation in part because I jokingly tell everybody I don't have a trainer because nobody is going to tell me what to do. Yeah. Okay. I work out when I want to work out and I don't work out when I don't want to work out. Like, how dare you? But you're exactly right. Like there's something missing from people trying to tell you what to do in a body that they don't have. Like it's your body and you get to decide how you want to move it, when you want to move it and what is actually pushing it for yourself. Right. Yeah, and like what you're going to get out of the exercise class that you are doing. And personally, I love to exercise, but I, it like took me a while to get here because I've like met up with so many people in my journey who are like weird and judgmental and just use it as a way to like be superior to people. And that's not cool. Not cool at all. Also, did we ever find out what they were getting out of this other than an opportunity to lay on the grass shirtless? I think they do love to work out because all these guys are like very focused on their muscles and whatnot. I will say Amir, they did like a jumping exercise and Amir jumped like 10 feet in the air. It was crazy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> They're very strong. No, You're right. And now that now come to think of it, Nick goes running like every single morning, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay. Okay. Never mind. I, I take back the judgment that I was giving to the situation. I mean, they also probably wanted to show off. I just, for Silas to single someone out and be like, you're not doing it right. It's such a weird move. In a, in a group of friends, no. No. But- are we surprised that Silas did this? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> so meanwhile, the girls are gossiping about how Nick has a girlfriend and Jasmine finds out for the first time because she was upstairs when the big reveal happened. 
Oh my gosh, that's right. We go back to the guys and um, they're kind of asking him about his girlfriend and being like, oh, well, like, is she allowed to flirt? Like, are you guys open? And Nick says, if you have an attractive woman, you accept smoke. Conversation is conversation. (laughs) That was pretty cool. Like, he's not possessive. He's not jealous. And maybe they are a little bit open. I'm kind of getting that vibe, but I can't totally tell. I wonder what Taisha would have to say about that. I am curious about it, too, now that you bring it up. I didn't get the vibe of open, but I did get the vibe of very confident and secure in his relationship from Nick, which is, to me, pretty refreshing, given that up until this episode, I did not even know that he had a girlfriend. And now it seems that he's very secure and confident in his relationship. Yeah. But okay. Yeah, maybe he's just so chill about the relationship he didn't even think he needed to mention it until now. Hard. I don't know. It's hard to say exactly what's going on. Right. Um, Then we get this great sort of callback for Nick where he talks about his upbringing. Yeah. And he had a single mom. And he says, you know, she didn't really have like a man protecting her or whatever but like she was just doing it for herself and like she raised a great son so that's why he doesn't really think that like women need to be dependent on men very cool very cool he also uses the phrase when talking about his mother he calls her a force to be reckoned with which I found really enlightening it to me and this is one of the things that I really appreciated about this show throughout the entire season is how often it really pushes back on the idea of toxic masculinity. I mean, we see it, but we also see men who are actively focused on not being toxic and giving women sort of the respect that they deserve and encouraging the men around them to also respect women, which I really liked. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But then cut to Shanice saying that she felt like the entire not knowing about Nick having a girlfriend was a concerted effort on his part um, to see if they were into him, that his plan was essentially to come into the house, see if the women were about it, and if they were, to not say anything. But since nobody was actually feeling him, he's like, well, I have a girlfriend anyway. Yeah, that could very well be. Although, you know, we're about to meet Summer, who's um, another addition, and he didn't wait to meet her. So, I don't know, Shanice. You might have something there. Right? Oh, man. Um, I wrote down on my list, terrible beer pong. Oh, well, (laughs) I don't know. They're, like, always just defaulting to beer pong. So, Nick and Silas are playing beer pong one-on-one. And this is another very cool Nick moment, okay? So he decides this is his opportunity to kind of talk to Silas in a respectful way about stuff that's been going on in the house. He says, I think it comes across a little as if you want to manage every situation, which is a very nice way to put what Silas has been doing. Mm -hmm. He says, in regards to your relationship with Jasmine, do you think you're controlling? Silas, you see him simmer a little bit. Right. And this, and remind me, my memory is that this happens right after Nick says, you know, I really want to talk to you and I'm going to give you my observation and then I'm going to let you respond. Right, right, right. That's how he kind of opens it up. Right. Sets up the ground rules. Like we love 
I, I will say I personally stand a good communication strategy king, and mm-hmm. that's what Nick is exhibiting here. But it still doesn't completely avoid Silas's sort of reactionary tendency in response to being called to controlling. Yeah, I think Silas knows he can't get mad because of the way Nick has approached him. He has to kind of keep his cool. Mm-hmm. But Silas just says, like, oh, it might seem controlling, but it's really just out of planning and making sure everything goes right. Like, Jasmine organizes our lives. Like, she's the leader of our marriage, and I'm just, like, the support guy. I think that's really interesting. He's got Jasmine kind of being the manager of all things household and acting like that puts her in, like, a power position. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of women experience this as, you know, wives or moms. Like, you kind of end up doing a lot of the emotional labor, and it's true, like, you're making a lot of decisions in that arena if that if you kind of continue taking that on. But it doesn't mean that, like, you're not still experiencing, like, sexism. You know, it's just sort of like, is, is, is that, if that's the kind of control you want, great, but it doesn't mean you're not entitled to other parts of control in your life. Like, oh, I'm the leader of this, so everything's fine. Yeah, and also I felt like it was, I guess, listen, I'll be completely honest with you. I didn't understand Silas. I felt like he was speaking nonsense in part because he was talking about how, oh, it might seem controlling, but it's really my, like you said, desire to like plan and make sure everything goes right. And then he immediately brings up how Jasmine is in charge of so many things in the household. And so I'm like, okay, so who is planning what I don't understand. Like, I don't understand how she needs you to direct her behavior in order for things to go right at the same time that she is responsible for so much in the house that she has her own autonomy in that arena. Yeah, it's almost like he feels like she she is getting to make some decisions, so I'm not controlling. And the decisions she makes are like, what am I going to cook for dinner? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that... Honest, like, thank you, Jules, for helping us get into the mind of Silas. I think you're exactly right. That that tracks. Um, thankfully, Nick wasn't having any of it. Um, he reminds Silas that he needs to allow Jasmine to take care of herself and that he should be taking care of himself. Um, he uses the phrase of give her a moment without you and watch her shine. Yeah, I loved that. Nick right Nick is this the same guy that we were curious and like questioning from the very beginning I mean he was my joker in the last episode but that's true he's doing some king shit here right I mean I think if this episode has shown us anything it's that I am not loyal to anybody oh no (laughs) we can't be the editors simply won't allow us to be right And so despite all of this incredible, rich, amazing advice that Nick is giving, cut to Silas in the confessional saying, I'm not taking marriage advice from someone who has a secret girlfriend. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Silas isn't going to take marriage advice from anyone who's not married, which means none of his friends or no one who can observe him and Jasmine together. So, okay. Right. Which I love that you just brought that up because I completely forgot about it until just now. But how often does Silas put him being as part of a marriage well above any other type of relationship, whether it be interpersonal or other types of romantic relationships, he constantly finds a way to say, well, but we're married. So it's different. 
as if there isn't work that gets done from the beginning and through a marriage. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe him and Jasmine are actually perfect for each other because they both hold this same weird. That's very judgy of me, but whatever. (laughs) They're on reality TV and they're beautiful. We can judge them. Um, (laughs) But they both hold this sort of perspective that, oh, well, we're married, so we're in a completely different realm. We can't be touched. We're above reproach, and you can't give us any sort of advice because we know better than you because we walk down the aisle and we have our rings. Yeah, and I think that attitude kind of informs the way that they treat Bria and her relationship as well. It's like they kind of refuse to acknowledge that she's in um, a valid relationship. No, 100%. And it's a constant thing, right? Every time there's an opportunity for them to take a dig at Bria, they do. Mm-hmm. We'll get more into that a little later. Mm-hmm. So we go to Preston, Amir, and Bria in the kitchen. Now, this scene, I didn't totally understand what was going on. So I'm going to recount the events <laughs> as I see them. Yes, please. Bria's talking about Simon. She says, oh, she's talking about how she wants to drill Nick's girlfriend when like find out all about her and she knows they're all gonna drill simon when he comes she has like especially a mirror because he looks at her like a sister mm-hmm. which is very sweet and then she said she asks a mirror if there were moments when he felt bria lacked that same respect for him and then a mirror he says like he feels like people in the house don't know him and then he kind of breaks down in tears yeah I wrote the exact same thing that he starts, Amir starts crying and then he starts talking about how important family is to him, which my best guess is that something about the relationship that Bria was describing between them triggered in him this idea of wanting to look after somebody. I don't know, but I don't, I don't think that he has any brothers or sisters, right? He's an only child. I can't remember. I think that, or so I will just say, going off vibes, we are podcastresses, so we will do the research. But someday, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I do, I will say that there's been a number of occasions where, in talking about his upbringing, he describes being like the only black one, right? Being yeah. in a family because um, he was brought up by his mother who isn't black, and how she would cut his hair, how he mm-hmm. didn't have a lot of like relationships friends or otherwise with you know other black people so I got the impression that he might be an only child yeah um and that if he had any you know maybe cousins or you know extended family that they were all Lebanese right yeah um and then he he starts talking about some other stuff that we should get into because it's really moving but I didn't understand when Bria was like, sorry if I, if you felt I lacked that same respect for you. I just didn't, I was like, was there beef with Amir and Bria in the past? I didn't understand why she said it that way. Yeah, I don't, and I think, I mean, I think I literally glazed right over that because I don't even remember. I I took it as her wanting to confirm that she felt like Amir was always very respectful to her and that she wanted to make sure that there was never an occasion where he felt like he wasn't being respected by her. Okay. I, I get that. Maybe yeah. that's it. 
or there might really affected him right or there could have been secret beef i don't know i don't know right but no to your point there he does sort of delve into a lot of like really interesting intense topics including you know self-discovery and how he's sort of processing who he is yeah he said that when he came to the house he was worried about like not being black enough for everybody there Mm -hmm. Um, and then he's like seeing that there are different ways to be black and it just means a lot to him. So he's like having this moment of like cultural discovery and self-discovery and it's really beautiful. And I love that he's just moved to tears by the whole experience. Right. I honestly, as a millennial, I think often about how lucky Gen Zers probably are because of the wide array of representation for what it means to be black. Um, I know that when I was growing up, I always had a very strong sort of black consciousness, but I think that the way that I speak, a lot of people didn't expect that from me unless they, you know, took the time, literal two minutes to get to know me. But I remember in high school um, having my blackness questioned, actually, and I didn't feel like I could be just myself without issue until I got to college and that's when I saw people from all different walks of life but if I had stayed sort of in my small hometown I would have believed that there was only one way to be black one way to be straight one way to be gay one way to be a woman you know and it's so limiting and so I think for me his discussion about like these different levels of blackness really resonated because it's something that I for the longest time imagined that every black kid went through. But then I started thinking to myself, well, hopefully that's not the case anymore. Right. Hopefully we're getting to a point where black kids, just like all other kids get to just be themselves and feel however they want to feel, do whatever they want to do. And it's not a signifier of their blackness. It's just, who they are because we're all like unique beings you know I hope so too (laughs) and as much as like the representation is so much better now I feel like we've still got a long way to go oh 100% I mean I think that people are always going to find ways to put other people into boxes for better or for worse and I just I hate to say oh it's part of growing up as if you know a crappy thing happened to you when you were a kid and then you're going to continue that vicious cycle but there are certain things that for me I feel like no matter how far we get that there's always going to be somebody that wants to feel superior or put somebody down by putting them in a box or judging them based on limited information you know yeah I like to think it's getting better yeah I think that's a great place to take a break yeah let's do it And we're back. So in true Summer House, Martha's Vineyard fashion, we go from a really deep, moving conversation about race and identity to Nick trying to get on a floaty (laughs) and just falling right off. And then they show like three replays of it, and it's hilarious. Right? So (laughs) 
he I can't remember if he screamed it or if he just said it very strongly, but he goes, I knew it wasn't secure. And I will be completely honest with you. I have never found Nick more handsome than I did when he had fallen into the water. And I, I don't know what it was, maybe like the goofiness aspect of it. But I'm like, yo, Nick is Nick is really handsome. Yeah, it was. I think it was just cute the way he dealt with it. He was like a good sport. He kind of made a joke. It wasn't like, oh, no, my masculinity. It's like shattered. <laughs> right. It was. You're exactly right. And the way that his arms and legs were sort of flailing about because he was falling in and knew that he was going to fall in, but physically couldn't catch himself. Yeah. It was really endearing to me. Yeah. And I will say it's very hard to get on floaties. (laughs) Floaties aren't just tricky for everyone. I've, I've heard about this. I don't know that I've ever had the opportunity to try to get on a floaty, but now... I'm invested in trying this. Do you usually just avoid floaties? I don't know that I've ever seen a floaty. Do You do know, or I shouldn't say I've never seen a floaty. I've never used a floaty. But you know the joke about pool parties with black people, right? Um, I don't want to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell me the joke? <laughs> so it's a joke because it's seems in reality that nobody gets in the water. So we all stand around the pool and drink and eat, but nobody actually gets in the water. And so maybe that's part of why I've never been on a floaty, but that's a travesty because I love being in the water. Yeah. There is a scenario where you can just get from the edge of the pool onto a floaty and like essentially you're not getting wet in the pool, but it's tricky and you could fall off the floaty. I've honestly seen more videos of people falling into the water trying to get on a floaty than I have, I think, any other water-based activity that isn't, like, an Olympic sport. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I'm going to, like, look it up later, but have you seen that artist who, like, paints – I don't know. He painted, like, a whole series of, like, black people in pools with floaties. No. It's really cool. Okay. Um, pause. Derek Adams. They're beautiful. That's amazing. I love that. I should get a print for the house or something. So everybody decides to eat takeout by the fire at night. And Nick says he regrets playing two faces when he came to the house. Mm -hmm. And so Nick seems to admit that his interest was, quote, ambiguous. But the women... And I think to a certain extent, the men in the house are not letting him get away with this. And they immediately call him out about his DMs. Yeah, Jordan really presses him, which is cool. Again, Jordan, always on the right side of history. Always. And so in the confessional, Nick continues to claim that he never called Shanice his wife. He's like, no one can corroborate that. And then production immediately mentions how all of the women have seen it. They've all talked about it. And they've discussed it in their own confessionals. Yeah, he's kind of caught. But he's like, but wait, I just didn't, I like absolutely didn't say that. Maybe he doesn't remember. I don't know. Right. I also, I will say that there was a part of me that was a little bit suspicious because as many of the screenshots of the DMs that we saw, we never saw anything about him calling Shanice his wife. Right. That was like a joke that he was making in person, I guess. Yeah. But then Janice, Excuse me. But then Shanice says that he had DM'd her calling 
her his wife, but we never saw that DM, right? So what I suspect is that Nick was definitely doing that flirty thing that guys do where they're like, oh, where's is my wife going to be there? Yeah. Like, where's my wife, you know? But I don't think that he actually was calling Shanice his wife in the way that somebody who's hardcore interested. That being said, though, it's weird. Yeah, like even the level you're saying where it's just sort of a flirty joke, I it's very weird to do that when you already have a girlfriend. Right? And we find out as part of this conversation where, you know, Nick's feet are really being put to the fire that he's known his girlfriend since 2016. Mm-hmm. So the suspicion <laughs> just continues. Yeah. But they all decided to cut the tension by swag surfing together. Oh, gosh. Swag surfing. <laughs> I've only ever seen this on TV. Is this... Do you, Have you ever swag surfed? I didn't know it was called swag surfing. So... But I feel like I've, yeah, I've linked arms with people and like swayed side to side. Is that what it is? I mean, essentially, there was a, I, I feel like I use the word essentially a lot. <laughs> I don't know if that's the. It's your essential vocabulary. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, my memory, and I could be completely wrong, but my memory is that it's a, it's a dance. And so part of the way that the dance goes is you hear the music and it goes da na 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 na, and as you're hearing the downbeat, you're surfing down. And so when you do it as an entire group, it has like the same sort of effect as the wave would, right? Where it it looks really cool, but you have to be very synchronized in order to do it. And maybe that's why I've never done it because I am not synchronized at all. <laughs> I dance on vibes. Um, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of vibes, after dinner, Preston takes a plate of food to bed and eats it in bed. And I love that. <laughs> Good for you, Preston. You go, Preston. Yes. <laughs> so we also see while everybody's in bed, uh, Bria is texting Jasmine about how excited she is to have Simon there, how she can't wait for Jasmine to meet him, how he's going to be so great in the house. And that she says, I can't believe I get to spend a whole week with him. <laughs> and J- Jasmine immediately turns to Silas and says, did we okay this? No, Silas says that to Jasmine. Oh my gosh. And then Jasmine says no. Yeah. So here's my question. I don't know if this is editing. Was Silas like reading along as she's texting with Bria? And then he's like, wait, what? Like, do we okay this? I think thought that Jasmine was reading the text out loud to Silas. Oh, okay. That's still weird. Definitely weird. But so that actually reminds me about something Jasmine said earlier at the dinner is she brings up how new house guests are coming and she describes them as, quote, bringing new energy. And so the entire vibe of the day and of the night is this excitement over new people coming in. And then the second that Bria decides that she's also excited, Jasmine and Silas are like, no, absolutely not. You can't have these nice things. Yeah. And just a reminder, they told her she, he, they told her that Simon could stay for a week. She absolutely got this confirmed on camera. 100% on camera. And then shortly after uh, Jasmine and Silas decide that they are going to work together to bust a hole in <laughs> Bria's happiness balloon, they immediately start having audible sex. Yeah. Okay. I kind of feel like so... 
Let's see. Oh, okay. So after they have sex, Silas says, oh, that camera has glow-in-the-dark lens. Oh, we're going to be like Ray J and Kim K. But so it's like, okay, Silas, you know you're on camera. You know you're mic'd. I feel like he's doing this as a way to like assert himself almost of just like I own her. Oh, my God. That's so gross. I kind of feel like that's the deal. You might not be wrong. I will confess that I did not think about that. I read that as a realization that the camera is seeing everything, but you're probably right. Like, I can't imagine somebody signing up for a reality TV show and knowing that there's going to be cameras all throughout the house and cameras following them everywhere being shocked when a camera sees what they're doing in the bedroom yeah and like we don't we haven't really seen him acknowledge to the cameras but he did just acknowledge it so he knows the camera's there he knows it has glow-in-the-dark lens like he knows what is the deal with this it's so weird well i can understand you might like you know get it on a few times or something but it's like they're so exhibitionist about it yeah it's i mean they're a weird couple i think they're a weird couple. Yeah. I'm okay. I feel comfortable and confident concluding <laughs> that. They're they're just a weird couple. Yeah. Um, so the next morning everyone's getting ready to go fishing. Um, and Jasmine tells Bria they're gonna need to discuss the Simon visit with the house. Right. To and was this the point in which Bria reminds Jasmine about how she'd already agreed to it? Yeah, and then the producer tells Jasmine they agreed to the visit on camera. Jasmine says, I never said that. Bria plays a lot of games. Right. <laughs> like, what? I will say that I saw that as a production editing technique. And mm. I genuinely think that Jasmine said the comment about Bria before production confirmed that they had it on camera. But they thought that it would be way more hilarious, which it was, for her to say it after the confirmation that no no it's on camera you definitely agreed to allow him to stay for an entire week yeah okay okay um i guess we'll never know they're definitely going to be doing some tricky things right and i can't imagine that jasmine would be truthful about what happens in post-production partly because she probably doesn't even remember yeah so Bria is reminding Jasmine about the agreement and then Jasmine raises that Summer and Jason are arriving and suggests that they need to take it to the house because they need to quote learn from past mistakes. Bria for all her sorceress energy knew exactly what to say and she confirms well Simon is not like Phil. He's not a crazy person. So this is when Jasmine swears that Bria didn't tell them what happened, but production confirms. Okay. Right. Um, so the other thing that I wanted to make sure I know was that Bria and Shanice are catching up on the phone mm -hmm. about everything that's happened. And in this moment, I'm like, oh, they are really friends. Like, they're really friends. Like, the, you know how... You know, as an, as a fellow girl's girl, right, that when you're doing your makeup or getting ready to go somewhere and then you call your friend and you just give them the lowdown about what happened and you're kind of talking mess, but it's mostly a key key, mostly like checking in, seeing how they're doing. And to me, it, it helped me see Bria in a completely different light because I think this is the first time that I see her just being like a genuine sweet friend. 
Yeah, she's a real one. Yeah, she definitely is. Um, so yes, then they go fishing, and I'll note everybody was wearing all black except for Nick. Right, Nick was dressed up. Right, and then later on we see uh, Jordan add a very bright yellow jacket. I think I might be a little obsessed with the fashions this season. Yeah. And I didn't know that about myself until I realized how much I want Bria's wardrobe. Oh, well. That's her job, though. She's like a stylist influencer, so she's influenced you. Right? So in the fishing thing, the the fishing trip, the one thing that I thought was so cute is Alex is the first person to catch a fish. And then... He says, well, as a vegan, can we throw it back? (laughs) Aww. Right? And the entire boat did not receive this with the level of sweetness. They were just, okay, but we're fishing and we need to eat. Like, why are you fishing? Right? Very odd. But I I was like, oh, Alex continues (laughs) to be so sweet. Mm -hmm. He cares about the animals, Jules. Yes, but not enough to not fish for them, <laughs> but somewhat. <laughs> right? Um, when they get home, Summer arrives. Oh, yes. Summer is so lovely. She is a personal assistant screenwriter. Her vibe is kind of quiet and sweet. Mm-hmm. I wrote that she's dressed like me. <laughs> because she's like a blazer yes and jeans a uh, top and I don't remember if she had on like maybe like wedges or maybe just like slip-on shoes but that is what I wore pretty much every day in my 20s I had like 30 different blazers in every color you could imagine they're all gone now because so is my 20 year old body <laughs> but um li- I mean it was my uniform because I loved how it looked I felt like you could dress it up or dress it down and I am still obsessed with the look oh it's kind of like 90s preppy it's very cute yeah um so maybe that's why Nick and Alice describe her as giving Hillary Banks (laughs) I just think it's really funny because Shanice is a dead ringer for Hillary Banks she has the exact hair like similar bone structure Oh, yeah. I guess she does look like Karen Parsons. Yeah. So I'm just surprised that that. they're making such a thing of Summer looking like Hillary Banks. If I were Janice, I'd be like, excuse me? What? And I read that as the vibe and the outfit that she was wearing. Like, let's not forget that when Janice came in, (laughs) she was, I mean, looking beautiful and like sun-kissed as she is, but was wearing, I think, like, sweats or like leggings they did not or feel something she like was that. dressed up enough or something right yeah this is the that was you know the callback to the moment where nick tries to compare her to like her instagram uh, model yeah 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 gross um yes uh so yes then we find out that the plan for the evening is a toga party yeah and they want it to be like fraternity themed like all the frat guys are getting really excited about the different fraternities that they can be like I don't know they can be on different teams I didn't understand it it was getting dangerously close to sports and I was like "Mm, I don't know no it was actually the most nonsensical thing I've ever heard I mean the fact that they're talking about a toga party and Silas uses the phrase integrity to describe the event as if 
Right, like they're representing for their stupid frat. Like, <laughs> I don't care. Right, my favorite part was Jordan saying, well, it shouldn't be alphas or kappas because I definitely have an omega sign tattooed on my body. Um, so omega sci-fi being one of the other uh, historically black fraternities, uh, their colors are like purple and gold. And I just want you to know, I didn't mean that black fraternities are stupid. I just mean all fraternities Oh my are gosh. <laughs> I assumed you meant all fraternities. <laughs> Hashtag all fraternities. All fraternities are stupid. All sororities are stupid. Yes. Um, I like that Summer said she got kicked out of her sorority for simply like not participating enough. And I was like, that's my kind of girl. Right. And she was at Cal State East Bay. I loved that. Yeah. I loved and she's like Alpha Phi. And they're like, oh, and she's like, no, no, no. At Cal State East Bay. Yeah. I loved it. Super dope. Um, anyway, I, I don't even know if they eventually do go off into teens for the Togo party or if they just have a normal Togo party. Yeah, I, I don't know. But before the Togo party even happens, Jason arrives. <sighs> we find out that he's a flight attendant and that he was Jasmine's roommate. We also find out that he is heterosexual. Which is, I mean, to explain Jason, like, he's so sweet and just so soft-spoken and you might think he's effeminate or like you you might he might read as gay if you're going by sort of stereotypical indicators um but that he is straight and just so sweet and gentle endures me to him so much yeah he was i thought that he seemed really sweet and really genuine and of course silas is suspicious about him because him and Jasmine are good friends. And they used to be roommates. And they used to be roommates. And surprise, surprise, Silas is not comfortable or okay with this, but he claims that he wants to get to know him. Yeah, it's almost like he's tr- he's deciding if Jason is going to be like good enough to be around Jasmine. Let me tell you, Jason's good enough. Right. Okay. Agreed. <laughs> and I don't mean to laugh, but this entire conversation actually reminded me of one of my main thoughts about this episode is that it was pure chaos. I think mm. partly because there were so many house guests now and that there are all of these different sort of storylines happening all at the same time. So at the same time that we are sort of dealing with this Silas pissing contest that nobody else is actually participating in cut to Bria on the phone with Simon demanding that he show her his penis. Oh yeah. (laughs) That's right. In rapid succession. Yeah. It's just a weird little cut. And then he shows it. She's like, Oh, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, this is why she gets purses. I mean, (laughs) I mean, listen, I don't know. I think it was, was it Bethany Frankel who had that iconic line where um, somebody accused her of sleeping her way to the top? She's like, I can't even sleep my way to the middle. Yeah. Please, <laughs> please, somebody <laughs> me so that I can get to the top. I would love it. <laughs> oh, in her day, Bethany was so great. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I think that this is a great time to take another break. All right.
So Bria takes Silas aside to remind him that he agreed to let Simon stay. And Silas says he just wants everyone in the house to be comfortable. And like, do we believe this is about other people in the house? I really can't tell. I honestly, I can't tell either. I will say that initially I thought that it was just a sense of wanting to control who's there and it all be invitees. But I also think that there is, no, you know what? I got to I'm going to pick a side and stick to it. I think that it is, is about Silas and Jasmine wanting to control everything and that Bria's boyfriend is not part of it's not a factor that they can control yeah and I almost feel like their vibe and the way they're 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 like we already let you have a dog we let you do these things it's like parents talking to their teenage daughter like look you've gotten a lot of leeway but like it's not appropriate for you to have your boyfriend spend the night you know and like the thing is Bria and Jasmine and Silas are all on the same level. Like, they are not above her. They're not in charge of her. And I can understand why she's almost acting like a teenager, like, freaking out. Because it's just, like, when you, it's hard not to respond that way when people are treating you so condescendingly. No, I agree. I mean, I will say that the entire situation still felt very chaotic. Um, It seemed like race came up out of absolutely nowhere yeah i mean bria spirals a little bit she's like you guys get to have each other and i don't if he can't stay that length because i feel like it has to do with race and everything and i'm gonna come down to that like she's kind of babbling but she talks about race because you know simon is very white yeah he's he's german german (laughs) (laughs) which i mean we talked earlier about like different levels of blackness i don't know a lot about different levels of whiteness but i feel like german is very white well okay this is interesting and i'm gonna talk about because as a white person i was thinking about like wow i haven't really had to spend a lot of my life thinking about my levels of whiteness although i think about it more now and just like in trying to not be like the toxic parts of whiteness (laughs) be aware of those things um i think it's interesting that simon may not be as aware of like the conflicts that might well how do i put this their racial dynamics in Germany are different because it's like they don't have like hundreds of years of like oppressing African-Americans there. Mm. So like I I think in Europe there is kind of a different dynamic. So maybe in that way it's like less offensively white. Mm. That's a good point. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like he maybe just hasn't participated in that situation or his ancestors haven't participated in it. Although I'm no history expert. And certainly Germany has there has many issues, as do a lot of countries in Europe on other groups. But um, yeah, I was thinking about this. Is it like I mean, would I feel like the worst guy would be like a guy from Southern Charm or something like that, like someone from Charleston yeah. or whatever, where he's just like a big bro and doesn't listen to anybody else and is like the most toxic guy ever. Whereas Simon seems almost removed from it, but also extremely white. Yeah, you know, it's so funny as you're talking about this, the thing that I was thinking about was how I might like clarify sort of levels of whiteness, just because I think you're right. Like when there's somebody from a different country, there's like this different understanding, different navigation. 
But I immediately started thinking about somebody from Russia where there aren't like when you aren't engaging with or interacting with non-white people um, with regularity. I think that it informs the way that you are when you're in environments with non-white people. And to your point about like the Charleston bro, it's well, you interact with black, white all types of people all the time, but you pretty consistently choose a very narrow definition. Yeah. And I agree that that's way more problematic than like this Eastern European. Wait, is Germany in the Eastern European? No, I think. Well, <laughs> well, I'm not know, a geography expert. Okay. Pro- I mean, I think the East Germany used to be considered Eastern Europe, but I think all of Germany now is considered Western Europe. That's what I was. Li- I was like, wait a minute. Cause I'm thinking of East Berlin yeah, when yeah, I'm, yeah. T- when I'm thinking about it. Yeah. So <laughs> all of this is to Cape for Simon, ironically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was. So yeah, the, the entire conversation was super chaotic. And so I, this, sort of showdown happens in multiple levels, right? So I did want to talk really briefly about how sweet this cooking uh, dinner was. Right, because in the other, basically outside, Bria and Silas are arguing, and inside there's like a cute little fish fry happening. (laughs) Right? Again with the chaos. I was like, how, wait, did this... Both of these things happened, right? And yes, that's exactly right. We have this very tense conversation happening and then cut to this cute little fish fry. Amir, as usual, is laying it on thick with Jordan, getting her to season the food. They're joking about all of these like different things about fried fish and seasoning and who can cook. And it, it's very cute. It's very flirtatious. And it seems like everybody is just having like a great time and people are eating and enjoying. But then we cut back to Jasmine and Silas outside. Right. Because Amir is sort of like, go get your boy. Like I can hear them arguing. So Jasmine goes out to join. Um, Silas is like, you really think I make decisions based on race? Like he's offended by that accusation. I can understand that. Like she kind of she really went left with that one. Agreed. Not that it's, I'm not going to say definitively it has nothing to do with their objection, but like she didn't really have any basis for saying that. No, it came out of nowhere, but she kept sort of reiterating this comment that Silas apparently made in the car Mm -hmm. when they were leaving dinner. It seems a couple of nights before this altercation where Silas makes a comment about how he, of course, has a preference for black women to be married to black men, but he wants black women to be married, period. Yeah. The main thing is just making sure black women are married, which is just odd. <laughs> I mean, maybe there's a cultural nuance I don't understand there. I, I, I think that's a weird statement for a man to make about women, that they need to be married. I think it's super weird. What I will say, and this isn't to defend Silas in any way, shape, or form, but I, I do know as, you know, technically unmarried woman at this point in my life in my 30s that there is a lot of discussion and debate around an entire generation of women who are unmarried and then when you take those sort of age groups and you delineate them by race you see that black women tend to be 
the largest group of unmarried women. That being said, I think that we are a far cry from times when women aspired to simply be married or married to men, right? You can be married to anybody, but I, I think that to Silas's point, I think that he is reflecting his desire to, oh, I want black women to win. And for him, he's defining winning as being married to men, which is wild. Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe it's just that he's very limited there. I'm just going to say as a man, you don't like, don't worry about it. You don't need to say what a whole group of women should be doing or shouldn't be doing, or even what you, what you dream for them. You don't like, don't worry about it. If, if a black woman wants to say, I want black women to be married, I'm going to listen to her. I really don't mm-hmm. care what Silas has to say about it. All facts. But so, yeah, I mean, he's kind of talking about, and he has an affinity for black families. He's talking about like black people marrying black people, which is just like, I also understand the sort of like ideal of that. Mm-hmm. But then you would never want to actually like frown on someone's interracial relationship. Like that, that, you know, it's just sort of like, it's an ideal, but like you would not want to like limit someone from what they can do in their life. Yeah. And I mean, I will be completely honest that I received that comment as, you know, a third party bystander after the fact on TV, rewatching the show (laughs) as just a very like simple phrase that didn't really mean much of anything, but that Bria took very, very personally. But what's interesting is that in the car, we've got Bria, Jordan, and Jasmine. They're all like, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Like as he's talking, like they're so on board with what he's saying, which I was kind of surprised by. Yeah, I do recall. So Jordan actually, you sort of hear it muttered under her breath, but she, when uh, Silas is specifically talking about black women being married and being married to black men, she says something along the lines of, oh, it's just easier culturally. Mm-hmm. And it sort of reminds me of a lot of stereotypes that you get in a lot of cultures, right? Where there is this impression that if you have the same cultural un- underpinning, then the difficult relationship stuff is still difficult, but at least you have that common ground. Whereas if you are c- coming from two completely different cultures, that you're going to struggle more, which is another like old way th- of thinking. It's also interesting because Silas is an African-American. He's from an African family. Oh, man. So they have like their race in common, but their ethnicity is different. And their cultures are like we even we've seen on display how different they are culturally, how there are things about being like African-American that Silas doesn't understand. And then there are things about like the spice of Liberian cuisine that Jasmine just can't get with, right? And so you're right. Like it, it's even more internally inconsistent the more you break down what they're saying and why they might be saying it. And so, I mean, maybe this was just a simple example of people just saying things without thinking about it and they just so happen to be on tv yeah i mean we have to they were probably driving back from the bar so you know yeah take it with a grain of salt like i (laughs) I think he's talking about like something that it's a sort of an aspirational idea of like black love and black families that you would not actually be able to like apply to individuals and say like you're not living up to this ideal (laughs) 
Exactly. Not. Well, let's hope not. But then yeah. again, uh, back to your earlier comment, I don't really care what yes. Silas thinks or what he has <laughs> exactly. to say. All right. So Silas, in response to this, at this point, Jasmine is there and Silas comes down hard on being anti-racist against white people. He's talking about his military training. Mm-hmm. He's talking about people that he is fighting for. He is clearly very very affected by Bria suggesting that he might be racist and in response Bria begins to cry oh Bria (laughs) she begins to cast her crying spell right um she threatens to leave the house um and she gets up crying and runs to her room yeah (laughs) we love this part she says, I will not be controlled on vacation. <laughs> I mean, I feel you, girl. Right. Um, but the funny thing is now the toga party continues. Everyone sits down. They're eating fish fry. They're dressed in togas. They're like having a great time and just cuts from the whole house enjoying themselves to Bria packing and muttering like just like about how she's going to leave. and She can't do it anymore. Right. And to clarify, it cuts from them literally dancing to Bria angrily packing (laughs) angrily packing is such a great move right not but you really need someone to be paying attention to you do it exactly and then i mean the production value 10 out of 10 yeah right when i tell you it went it was literally dancing bria angrily packing and then the house playing drinking games And you're left to wonder, like, okay, what is happening? So basically, Silas sort of turns to Jasmine and says that he feels bad. He wants to talk to Bria. Jasmine immediately says, I don't care. I don't care how she feels. I don't don't do it. And he goes upstairs to talk to her. He says he's going to the bathroom. (laughs) He goes to talk to her. He has to be so sneaky. Right? After Jasmine told him not to talk to her, he's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom and then makes his way up to go talk to Bria. He totally comes in very calm, but he is like a dad trying to explain a consequence to a child. He's just, he's just like, you know, like, how are you feeling? Like, you know, trying to check in with her, but also like standing firm in his decision. Right. And the conversation that ensues is nothing short of a complete waste of everybody's time. Yeah. Okay. So he's like, hey, we've already made an exception for you to have Milo here. And Priya says, I can't F my dog to get off. No disrespect. I hear you having sex every other day. Right. (laughs) She says, do you care about my relationship and how I feel? And he doesn't. No. Right. And then... Silas calls Bria manipulative. Yeah, he says, Jasmine and I are full members of the house. You're manipulative. And he repeats it a few times. Not just a few times. I counted six times. He uses the word manipulative. Although I will admit that one of those times he did say, you're not going to manipulate me. But I counted it. Okay. So six times he uses the word manipulative or the one time he says, you're not going to manipulate me. So Rhea's like, okay, get out, get out, go away, go away, anywhere but here. 
And she starts yelling at him as he's leaving the room. Bye. Bye. Just because you control Jasmine. That's what everybody feels. Bye. You're controlling. Everybody feels that way. She likes to have a good time. and You have a problem with it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and can I tell you that when I was watching this episode, I'm like, Jules is going to get every single one of these quotes <laughs> and I'm so thankful that you both oh, met and exceeded it. expectations I here. I love this moment from Bria. It's so funny. She's just airing him out. She's like, here's all the things you don't want me to say to you directly and that everybody's been thinking and kind of dancing around and just saying it and she's doing it probably to just get a rise out of him but like it's amazing. It is and ironically Bria used the word controlling. It didn't feel like she said it as many times. And I counted, and it was only four times she said controlling. But her delivery was so over the top that you would think that she said the word and came for him way more times than he came for her. Yeah. that's not the case. Interesting. Yeah, I definitely felt that way. Yeah. So I feel like it's cool to see Bria. I mean – We've been talking about how controlling he is. It's cool to see Bria calling it out. Yeah, I think the entire house recognizes that Silas has a controlling streak. And I think that other people have tried to bring this up to him in a gentler way. But this was really just, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. And it's so satisfying after we saw him not listen to Nick, who's coming about it in like the most respectful, like strategic way possible. But for Bria to just be like, okay, now I'm going to give it to you this way. (laughs) Right. And at one point, doesn't she say something along the lines of, okay, if I'm manipulative, then you're controlling. Like, I'll be manipulative, but you're not going to get around the fact that you are controlling and that everybody sees it. We all talk about it behind your back and you should feel crunchy about it. And she's kind of toppling him from his little patriarch stance of like, Bria, we already let you do this and this and that. She's like you're not my dad, you're just controlling. Right? Oh my goodness. I mean, she definitely had the moral high ground here, but again, I I stand by my earlier description. This was a complete waste of everybody's time, but at least I was entertained. Yeah, no, I I beg to differ. (laughs) It was a great use of time. No greater or deeper clarity on either side, but... The audience was very entertained. Yeah, and it looks like next week this fight is really going to go off. I can't wait. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait to see what happens next. Okay, so we've come to the end of our episode. We just need to talk kings, queens, and jokers. Yes. So who is your king of the episode? I'm going to have to say Nick. Right. I really liked the way he handled things, and I thought it was really cool that he kind of tried to confront Silas about the way he's treating his wife like that's not an easy thing to do with anybody and I like that he thinks it's important enough that he needs to say something no agreed I love a comeback tale I think at the top of the episode I remained very suspicious about Nick but I think that he used every single opportunity this episode to reiterate his respect for women And his desire to see the men around him and in his friend group be better when it comes to how they interact with their partners and also the women in the house. Absolutely. Is he your king as well? He is my king as well. Love that. Okay. Who is your queen? 
my queen this episode, I kind of wanted to give it to Preston because I feel like I can give him the crown that he deserves and I don't want to leave him out even though Nick got the king crown this episode, but I'm going to go ahead and just give it to Summer. Um, she was very calm. She seemed very like likable and sweet. Um, and she entered the house with what I took to be sort of an open perspective on meeting people, getting to know the other folks in the house and had a really open mind. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Controversial, but I think my queen is Bria. What? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I what? know. It's okay. Like, Explain yourself. Explain oh, yourself immediately. Okay. So <laughs> it's true that by the end she kind of lost it, but I also love the way she loses it. And I aspire to lose it the way that Bria does with just like calling things out. She's a truth teller. She's like casting <laughs> spells. But um, I also feel like she actually tried all episode long to be like, so I'm really excited to this thing about this thing that we all agreed to. Remember when you agreed to it? It's going to be great. And she like dealt with it actually very well for many conversations. And the way she lost in the end, I feel like was kind of earned. And I just love the way she told Silas off. So she is a queen to me. Oh, that's so funny. All right. Well, I, <laughs> all right. I, I can't disagree with how entertained I was with Bria's presence and the way that she articulated herself. So I get it. I get it. All She's right. a messy queen. That's okay. <laughs> that's a great way to put it. All right. Well, then who's your joker? I think my joker is Silas. Yeah. Because I just, oh, wait, you know what? I'm not going to put it all on Silas this time. I think my joker is Jasmine. Because I feel like she did agree to this. She's not doing right by Bria, who is her friend. She keeps pawning things off to Silas to deal with and being like, oh, well, we as a couple decided this. And then he's like the enforcer. Mm. I don't think she's like being a good friend right now. And as much as I don't like the way Silas treats her, I'm also not liking that she's like inflicting Silas on other people. Fair. Yeah. I hear that. I can see that. And I, I hear that. For me... You're not going to like it, but Bria is my joker. Oh, well, it's totally fair. Right? I mean, I think there is a theme in the folks that I give the joker sort of status to every week in that they are wildly entertaining, their antics are unforgettable, and that their approaches are just dead wrong I think the only saving grace that Silas has is that he is consistent in his archaic old world views of how people interact with each other and what's important whereas Bria is clearly like an intelligent beautiful woman and I expect more from her mm. than sort of petty attacks and think like calling somebody a racist you knew that that wasn't going to end well you knew that there was no path towards understanding the moment that you said that and I think that her reaction although not completely unwarranted to screaming that he was controlling she was stirring the pot and to me that's jokester behavior but be to be very clear having a jokester in the house I love that I I went from joker to jokester <laughs> right as if jokester is fun um <laughs> But having a joke. Oh, my gosh. Was that Bria Sorcery? I'm looking oh, around. She's like, you will never call me a joker again. <laughs> <laughs> I will say 
truth be told that having somebody like that in the house is critical for learning, understanding, and for the audience to be entertained. Yeah, let's say that like from a sorceress, I expected more, and I think she got knocked out of her power a little bit. She got thrown a little bit, but I believe she will be coming back. Well, can't wait to find out what happens next on the next episode of Summer House Martha's Vineyard. See you then. Bye. Double Vision is created by Jules and Keens. Starring Jules and Keens. Produced and edited by Juliana Tringali Golden.